Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I figured with the draft now over and done with, with the offseason as a whole for Joe Douglas over and done with, let's welcome in a guy who knows the Jets as well as anybody. I mean, he's one of my good buddies over at SNY. You check out the Can't Wait pod. He's Connor Hughes of The Athletic. And Connor, I hope you're staying sane, my man. At least the draft and all this offseason stuff, you know, for the last couple of weeks has kept us busy, you know? Yeah, it's kept us busy, man. And, and right as the draft was coming to a close, I was like, oh, no, what am I going to be doing now? And that's when uh, Governor Murphy drops this thing about golf courses opening up over the weekend. So I went from from one thing occupying my time to now this is going to take care of it. Ah, so uh, that's what's up, Connor. You know that's music to my ears, man. Get out on the course <laughs> and, you know, hitting a few good shots along the way and then plenty of shanks. But, hey, that's why we do what we do. So, yes, that is terrific news across the board. Now, Jets, I don't know if you were on the same page with me. I know it was going to be very, very appealing sitting there in the first round, seeing Jerry Judy and seeing CeeDee Lamb and seeing Henry Ruggs. But knowing how deep this wide receiver crop is and realizing there is a distinct difference between the four big tackles and the other tackles you could have had, to me, Connor, it was almost a no-brainer to go and get one of those guys. Were you of the same opinion? Yeah, look, I mean, it was going to... As you said, it, it was going to be tempting. I mean, it was going to be one of those things where up until the last minute when the Jets put, you know, the final letter in, in Becton on the uh, on the draft card and, and virtually sent it in, that they were going to be thinking about, man, but what, what, what kind of a difference would, would CeeDee Lamb make? What kind of a difference would Henry Ruggs make? You know, what kind of a difference would Jerry Judy make? But at, at the end of the day, man, it did, that, none of that mattered, right? Because if you can't protect the quarterback and you can't keep Darnold not only upright but on the field for 16 games, it does not matter who's out left. It doesn't matter who's out right, and it doesn't matter who's in the slot. So uh, I think the Jets made the right call. I mean, Beckton was the right call. Going offensive line was the right call. And, and the thing I think a lot of people need to remember is that this is a kid in Sam Darnold who has played two seasons, right, in the NFL. First year, foot injury, which he suffered against the Dolphins' sidelines for three weeks. Last year, while the mono was what took him off the field, he suffered a thumb injury, again, taking hits. 
that severely impacted his game on the field. He couldn't hand off in one direction and required offseason surgery. So they need to not only keep Sam Darnold upright, they, again, they need to keep him on the field for 16 games. And you don't do that with a receiver. You do that with an offensive lineman. And, and that's what the Jets decided to do uh, there in the first round. It's what everyone kind of thought eventually they were going to do. It was just going to be a matter of will there be an offensive lineman there for them to draft. And not only was there one, but there was two. Uh, and, and they ended up going with the guy who was stealing kind of touches the sky there in Beckham. And you think about Joe Douglas, Connor. He comes in and you hear all about this priority being addressed towards the offensive line. And, you know, sometimes you look at a general manager and is it going to be a whole lot of hot air or is it going to be substance? Is it going to be action? Say what you want about maybe not getting a guy like Jack Conklin in the offseason. I look at the moves that have been made in free agency and in the draft. They have made every last effort, the way I see it, to go and address something that was hands down a major, major weakness for them. And look, there's a chance that this team has four-fifths of their offensive line brand new entering next season on week one. I mean, when the Jets opened the season last year against the Buffalo Bills, it was Kelvin Beecham, it was Coletio Semele, it was Ryan Khalil, it was Brian Winters, and it was Brandon Shell. There's a chance that every one of those starters is new. And there's a, the, at worst-case scenario, four-fifths of them are going to be new with Brian Winters. But if this goes with Becton at left guard or Becton at left tackle, Alex Lewis at left guard, Connor McGovern at center, uh, uh, Greg Van Roten beats out Brian Winters for that right guard spot, and then George Font takes over there at right tackle, this is an entirely new offensive line from what the Jets trotted out there against the Bills last year. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think – their offensive line is going to rival the Dallas Cowboys is one of the best in the NFL. I don't think they're on board with where the Philadelphia Eagles are or so many of the other leagues or some of these other teams in the league. But they are undeniably better. I mean, they're absolutely a better front five right now than they were at any point last season. They have more potential there than at any point last season. And I think what Joe Douglas has successfully done this offseason, and it's probably one of the biggest feathers in his cap, assuming guys develop as this team hopes, is that he's not only improved the offensive line in the immediate 2020 viewpoint, but he's also started to take the steps on, on rebuilding this for the long term. Because Becton, if this kid plays out, he's going to be your left tackle for the next 10 to 12 seasons. Connor McGovern, all the, uh, but again, out of all these guys the Jets have signed, the only person that is guaranteed a roster spot for next season in terms of 2021 is Connor McGovern. Everyone else is kind of basically on a one-year deal. So Douglas says, left open the ability to continue to improve this alliance, to continue to make this offensive line better, to continue to invest maybe another first-round pick next year or a second-round pick or a third-round pick or something like that to keep building this offensive line so that in two, three years, they are a team like the Dallas Cowboys. They are a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. They are one of those teams that you say, you know what, that freaking offensive line can impose their will week in and week out. Forget who's back there in the backfield. They're going to they're gonna run for 100 yards because the offensive line can block. Sam Darnold's going to have forever to throw in the pocket. He wants to build that kind of an offensive line. So not only has he, again, put, it, put the pieces in place to improve things this year, he has also started to take the steps in adding some pieces that are going to be a part of this complete overhaul when this offensive line rebuild is really done in two or three seasons. Now, Connor, I take you back to Friday. I'm doing my show after the first round of the draft, and I was like, look, I'm A-OK with the Beckton pick. I'm totally cool with the Beckton pick. The Jets got to come out of Friday with at least one wide receiver. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're watching Friday night unfold, and the Jets trade down. And, listen, I was still pretty confident they'd get one of the guys they'd like, 
But I know a lot of Jet fans were up in arms saying, what is Joe Douglas doing? Is he going to miss out on more wide receiver talent? Is it going to go according to plan? So what was your initial reaction when you see the Jets trade down? And did you get the sense all along that Denzel Mims out of Baylor was going to be their guy? Uh, I, I, I was stunned when they, when they traded back because, again, what we've been talking about, uh, I mean, I probably the last two, three months, really since the season ended, was that the Jets were probably going to go offensive lineman round one, receiver round two. And, and there they were at the 48th pick in that draft, 48th, 48th overall pick, uh, and, and sitting there in the second round. And, and you had Denzel Mims, and you had Jefferson, guys that were just sitting there for the Jets to take after receivers went, if I'm not mistaken, one and two in T. Higgins and Michael Pittman in the, uh, with the first two picks of the second round. I think it was wide receiver, wide receiver, or you know, within like the first couple picks of the second round. Um, I thought it was an obvious call, that it was you draft the receiver, you draft Mims, and you're good. Okay, now you got linemen, now you got your receiver, you got weapon, you got protection, play, or playmakers, you got protection, and now you can kind of focus on rounding out the defense and things like that in the third through, through seventh round, right? So when, when Douglas traded back, my initial thought was like, that's not that's not what I would do. That's that's not a great call. I mean, you're you're, you're running the risk now of uh, of missing out on on a guy that can potentially be uh, Donald's go-to guy for for the next ten seasons or so. And and it just didn't really make any sense to me. And I, I remember actually messaging my editor uh, in in the middle of the round and saying like, once they traded back, being like, hey, just so you know, my story after this round, I'm probably going to be pretty critical of Joe Douglas for passing on a wide receiver in the second because I think Mims would have been a good pick. He's like, okay, sure enough, they trade back, move 11 spots, get that extra draft pick in the fourth round, or in the third round, I'm sorry, and all of a sudden you start to see, like, wait, Mims is still there. Mims is still there. Mims is still there. And then sure enough, they move back 11 spots, get an extra draft pick, and, and they're still able to come away with a guy in Denzel Mims who is big, he's physical, uh, he, he he's not super, super polished, so he's a guy that's going to be better uh, in week six than he is week one, in week 12 than he was week six, and he's going to continue to improve. But he's a high weight speed guy. Uh, he has loads of potential. He's somebody that can, uh, as, as uh, Jeff's assistant GM Rex Hogan said, uh, play above the rim, which is something the Jets really haven't had since Brandon Marshall. And before that, you got to go back to Braylon Edwards. So uh, it was a pretty impressive move and, and good general managing by Joe Douglas to not only move back in the draft, but be able to move back in the draft and still. Uh, fill a need, if you will, there with uh, with Mims in the second. Connor, it's incredible poker, but Denzel Mims takes on a lot of importance with this Jet team because yeah. they lose Robbie Anderson in the offseason. Brashad Perriman has been a guy who's bounced around. I know he was great in December for Tampa, but albeit it was when Chris Godwin was out for a good couple of weeks where he put up those monster numbers. And then, of course, you have Jamison Crowder, who's a fine player, but is not in any way going to remind you of a number one receiver. I know Denzel Mims is in many ways going to be a work in progress, but let's be honest, Connor, they need him to contribute with this group, with this overall uh, working of wide receivers. They need Denzel Mims to play well. Yeah, and, and look, they think that he will. I mean, Gase was actually asked about that uh, by Kim Jones of NFL Network on, uh, on uh, who actually does a lot. Kim, Kim does a ton of work for you guys as well over at WFAN, but uh, she she asked him. She was like, "Do you guys expect him to come in and play right away?" And and Gase said yes. And then he took like a 15 second pause before he went on and, and continued to answer the question. But it was really that simple. It's yes, we expect this guy to come in and perform right away. We expect this guy to come in and have a role in our offense right away. And I think it's probably going to come down to Adam Gase for how effectively 
the Jets are going to be able to use Mims this first year because he is he is a little I don't think he's a, a full fledged work in progress. I mean he's not like DK Metcalf was when the Seattle when the Seattle Seahawks drafted him last year. He's, he's certainly more polished of a player than the Metcalf was. But it's going to be about Gay saying, okay, this is the guy we have that's going to take the field to start the season. He's able to do these things very, very well. He's still got to work on his route running. Concentration can be an issue sometimes. He's got to work on that. But these are the three or four things that I know this guy can go out there and do and do effectively right now against NFL defensive backs. And then it's going to be on Adam Gates to say, okay, how do I make it so that we exemplify those strengths while masking those weaknesses while he continues to work on them and develop in our system and get better and get better and get better? And and that's going to come down to Gates. Look, the Jets hired Gates because they believe this guy is an offensive mastermind. They believe that he's got next-level thinking. You can disagree with them if you want. I'm sure a ton of people, uh, Jet fans, people in the NFL, things like that, disagree with him when you look at Gates' struggles uh, with Miami and then last year with the Jets. But he did have this reputation in De- uh, Denver for a reason. He had the reputation in Chicago for a reason. Now he's got to show it. He is a player that is a high weight speed guy, has a ton of physical attributes you like, can certainly do things right now that can give you success and lead you to having success on Sundays. It's going to be on him to making sure that he gets that out of Mims early while they continue to work and develop him and, and make him a more well-rounded player uh, throughout not only next, not only this coming season, but 2021 as well. We got a buddy, Connor Hughes. Check him out in the Athletic, the Can't Wait podcast, of course, over at SNY. And Connor, if there's going to be a critique for me with the Douglas draft, it's the idea of not getting a second wide receiver on this team. Seeing how deep this draft is, seeing how loaded this draft is. And I see Tyler Johnson, who I loved at Minnesota. I, I know he didn't end up, you know, having issues with the senior bowl and maybe his draft stock fell throughout the process. But just watching him on film, watching him in games, I think he's going to flourish as a number three with, you know, the likes of Evans and Godwin. So were you surprised looking at the Jet draft board that a second wide receiver was not brought in? Yeah, I was. Uh, that that was something that I thought they were going to do. I thought that I, you kind of figured Douglas at some point would trade back and get some extra draft picks. But even taking a flyer on just a physical freak in like the sixth or seventh round or, or taking someone in the fifth round, just another weapon – to add to Sam Donald's disposal, it was surprising. It was it was absolutely surprising to me. And I think, you know, when you look back at guys the Jets drafted, you can point to that Ashton Davis pick in the third round as someone where you're like, okay, I get why the Jets drafted him. The guy's a physical freak. He can do so many different things. You give him to Greg Williams and basically say, use this guy. And Greg Williams is the type of defensive coordinator that can take all those physical attributes and, and just create – uh, havoc for, for a, an opposing quarterback and opposing offense by moving him, Jamal Adams and Marcus May all around the field together at the same time. I mean, it's going to be really cool to watch that happen this coming year. But you look at that pick and you say, well, wouldn't a, a receiver, another receiver, maybe have been a, a little bit more beneficial there? Or, or you look at uh, where, where they drafted Perrine, right? I mean, maybe that's the spot where you kind of want to go with a receiver and then you can address the running back a little bit later on in the draft. I mean, there's certainly spots where I thought they should have gone with a receiver. But Joe Douglas said, and actually when we talked to Joe Douglas during the draft, I mean, he said that there were spots where they came up to pick where there was a receiver that within that was within spitting distance on their draft board of where they thought this guy could go. You know, so they have all these players listed. It wasn't like there was a huge drop between another receiver. They just elected to go with other guys. And, and it, was it a mistake? Maybe. I mean, we could also look back and say that this draft class that was supposed to be so good with receivers wasn't. The Jets knew what they were thinking. 
although history probably tells you that's not going to be the case. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was something that, that certainly surprised me. It was something that I, I thought for sure the Jets were going to come out of here with, with at least two receivers. Uh, coming out with one is okay. I mean, good. You definitely needed one. But yeah, I would have I taken another chance on someone else. All right, Connor, let's get to the safety position because obviously Jamal Adams is waiting for the big payday. You have Marcus May, and then they go get Davis, and they surprise a lot of people and bring him in with a third-round pick. Is that the idea of getting the best player available, a physical freak, a guy who is just too good to pass up? Or would that maybe point you in a direction of maybe down the road, Jamal Adams, or I would look at Marcus May as the guy who may ultimately end up being expendable. You think the Jets were having some forward thinking with this logic? Yeah, it's the latter. The, the, the Ashton Davis, that doesn't impact Jamal Adams. I mean, they are very, very different players. I know that Davis said that in college he played cornerback, nickelback, free safety, strong safety, and weak side linebacker were the positions that he rattled off in addition to gunner and kick returner. Uh, those were the spots that he played in college. He's not looking at him and, and watching the film on him and talking to scouts on him. He's not Jamal Adams. He, he's not Jamal. He's much more Marcus May, deep free safety, put him back there, let him run and use that, that physical attributes to get to guys and close gaps and play that cover one spot. That's more what Davis is. He's not the Jamal Adams. So when I first saw Ashton Davis's name come up, I thought the same exact thing. I was like, whoa. Is, do I now have to like pay, you know put the the you know alerts up like okay is Jamal going to get traded? When I actually started reading about the kid, talking to some people about the kid, that's when you realize this was much more. They're doing this in addition to for 2020, in addition to Jamal Adams and Marcus May, and then down the road is when it might potentially be something where this guy eventually replaces Marcus May as the team's uh, back, back deep safety. Which, if you think about it, JJ, that doesn't make some sense too because. The Jets want to pay Jamal Adams. That's their goal. They're going to get through some things right now, and then they're going to focus on trying to get him his big contract. It's highly unlikely, or I think it's highly unlikely, that they not only pay Jamal Adams, but then pay Marcus May. I mean, Marcus May is a pretty good player in his own right. He's going to get some pretty good money. He's not going to get $16 million like Jamal Adams wants, but he's a guy that's probably going to get maybe 8 9 if he has a really good season this coming year, $10 million a year. I don't think that Joe Douglas is going to invest that much money in the safety position after paying Jamal Adams. So they do need to think long-term about this. And I think they saw Ashton as, as a player that they can go out there and draft. He will have an impact on this team this year, both as their kick returner, can play special teams, and then they can use him in three safety looks. Uh, three safety looks that they actually sort of deployed last year with Rontez Miles before he suffered a season-ending injury. Um, so I think they saw that as, as a pick that could both benefit them right now and down the road. All right, Connor, let's take the first and second round out of it. What was your favorite under-the-radar pick that Joe Douglas made third round and beyond? Like, what was the pick that kind of caught your eyes? You're watching the draft as you're covering the draft, and you're like, man, I really like this. This makes a whole lot of sense. Is there one that comes to mind? Yeah, but, uh, I think the one that, that a lot of people are going to say is, is the corner out of Virginia, Bryce Hall. I mean, that, that one's just a value pick, right? I mean, this is a kid that if he didn't injure his ankle, you're talking about a guy that's probably going to be drafted in the second round. Instead, he falls all the way to the Jets at, at five and in the fifth, and, and he's somebody that, with a good training camp, there's no reason to believe he can't be this team's starting corner or playing a legitimate role on Sundays for Greg Williams' defense. But the guy that I'm I'm most intrigued, honestly, to, to see on the field is the guy we've kind of been talking about it is Davis. I mean, I think that Greg Williams is the type of defensive coordinator that just figures out ways 
to get the best out of players. And then if you have the right mindset and you buy into his defense and you buy into his coaching style, he will get more out of you than anyone else. I mean, some people aren't for Greg Williams. Some of them just, they just can't handle that coaching style. That's completely different. But if you can mentally check into him and you can buy into what he's saying, he will get the most out of you. And when you look at Ashton Davis and what this guy has done, again, we talked to him on the conference call or Zoom call because of uh, this whole like virtual stuff. Um, and we asked him, I remember reading, seeing, oh, this guy's versatile. So I said, it was like, Ashton, you're versatile. What can you do? He said, cornerback, nickelback, free safety, strong safety, gunner, weak side linebacker, kick returner. Getting a player like that with so many physical attributes, which he is, he is a physical athletic freak, and giving him to Greg Williams and saying, basically, here, play with this toy and have fun with it. I can't wait to see what he does with that, with, with Ashton on, the de- on a defense, also with Jamal Adams, with Marcus May. I mean, I think that this has the chance to him really deploy some super unique fronts some super, or some super unique packages, have maybe Jamal coming into blitz while Marcus goes deep, and then you have Ashton kind of running around or free run. It's, there's so many possibilities to that pick that, while personally I would have gone elsewhere as a different position on that spot, I would have taken a corner, I would have taken another receiver, I would have taken another offensive lineman. The fact that they took Davis, tells me that Greg Williams, A, signed off on this pick, but also, B, Greg Williams has an idea on how to use this kid this year, and I'm fascinated to see what he does with him. All right, Connor, final one. And listen, I've been a supporter of this player. I still think he has a very bright NFL future. And the first two years, it's kind of hard in many ways to judge what you have in Sam Darnold because of coaching changes, Mm -hmm. uh, injuries, mono, Um, You name it. I mean, all sorts of issues for Sam Darnold in his first two years. Upgrading and fortifying the offensive line, important, crucial. But in many ways, Connor, look, we're now getting into the money time with this quarterback because you're going into year three, then you're going into year four. Sooner or later, you got to have that conversation when it comes to paying him. So it is fair to say the next two years, imperative, critical, if Darnold is going to be the franchise quarterback that everybody dreamed of. Yeah, and, and J.J., I, I kind of said this a ton last year and, and throughout the season that, you know, the Jets went into 2019 wanting to come out of 2019 saying Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback. That, that without a doubt, no doubt in their mind, this guy is a franchise quarterback. They wanted to feel about Sam Darnold, basically with enough concrete evidence on Sam Darnold being the guy that the Houston Texans had with Deshaun Watson after his second year, that the Chiefs had with Pat Mahomes after his second year, that the Eagles had about Carson Wentz after his second year, although that's kind of maybe a little bit of an asterisk because he tore his ACL. But before that ACL tear, the guy was the leading candidate to be MVP. You know, in the Rams, the Rams with Jared Goff, how they felt about him after year two. When 2019 ended, you can blame the mono, you can blame the thumb injury, you can blame that terrible offensive line and the fact he didn't have playmakers. You could not say about Sam Darnold, what you could about Pat Mahomes, Jared Goff, uh, Carson Wentz, all these other guys after their second seasons. The Jets, Adam Gase, Christopher Johnson, Joe Douglas, they believe that Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback. They believe that he is that guy, but you don't know yet because there is as much evidence to say Sam Darnold is the guy as much as you can say Sam Darnold is just another guy. And he's not a bust. I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not implying that. I think he's shown enough within these first two years that it is very clear that he is not going to be a bust. He's going to be a second contract quarterback. He's somebody that can do good things in the NFL. But you don't know yet if he's going to be next year. You don't know yet if he's going to be 
a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. You just don't know it yet because he hasn't shown it those first two years. And again, that's not all his fault. You can blame the offensive line. You can blame the the play calling. You can blame the lack of playmakers. It is imperative, though, that after this season, after this season where the Jets can give him a contract extension, that they know he is a franchise quarterback, that they have concrete evidence, a concrete evaluation on not only what Sam Darnold is after year three, but what he's going to be moving forward, that they can say he is going to be our guy. This is somebody that we know without a doubt. We've seen it on, on the field. We've seen it in practice. We've seen it in the meeting room to know that this is a guy that can lead us to our second ever Super Bowl title. They need to know that after this year. I think they've done it in terms of they've, they've put the pieces in place to be able to get that evaluation with the improved offensive line. I think that while the receiving core maybe didn't take as much of a step forward as someone would have hoped, the uh, reinsertion of Chris Herndon into the starting lineup after he played pretty much nine healthy snaps all of last season will be a big bolt, uh, a big jolt, because you can add him with Ryan Griffin, then you get Rashad Perryman, and then you get Crowder, and then you get Mims, all these things. But you were right. It is imperative that after this year, the Jets know that Darnold is the guy. They don't have to do it with some crazy Super Bowl run. They don't have to win 14 games. But that he needs to show enough this year with Gase, with all these other pieces, with the improved offensive line, that you can say this is a guy that is going to be the guy for us for the next 15 years. Because I think there's been glimpses of it the last two years. There have been signs that he is but you don't know it for certain yet because he just needs it, whether it's the injuries or the turnovers or the random throws a couple of times a game where you're like, what was that? I mean, you, just, you need to see it consistently and you need to see it consistently this year. That That is priority number one, two, and three for the Jets when this season kick off, kicks off. They'd love to make the playoffs. They'd love to win the division. They, they'd love to make a Super Bowl run. But worst case scenario is you need to know what Sam Darnold is as your quarterback moving forward. And Connor, not for nothing, it's going to be a lot more fun for somebody like you to be in the business of watching this division and watching yeah. this division wide open, no Tom Brady, and with the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Jets, hopefully teams that are going to be far more interesting than they've been since you've gotten on this beat. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, I, I think you and I were talking about this the other day, man, is that it's, it's the first time in at least my, my memory that all teams in this division have – a guy that they believe is their answer at quarterback. The Jets believe that Sam Donald's their answer at quarterback. The Bills believe it in Josh Allen. The Dolphins just drafted Tua. And the weird thing about it, which is with the complete reversal of all of this, is the one team that doesn't know if they have a quarterback is the team that's known that they've had a run on this division and had their quarterback the last two decades in the Patriots. They don't know what they have under center. So I think it's kind of been a cool little reversal. But for the first time, like you said, it's wide open, man. It, this, this thing is wide open. You figure the Bills probably have an edge, but the Dolphins are coming up. The Jets are coming up. If they, they, you know, if Joe Douglas can continue to piece this together. So, yeah, it, it's going to be fun because I think for, for the first time in a while, this has the potential to be a division that is year after year someone else has a chance to win it like you had with the the NFC South for a while and like you've had with the NFC East for a bit. Connor Hughes, Can't Wait Podcast, The Athletic, SNY, a man of many talents. Connor, I am hoping and praying over the next couple of weeks I can see you uh, showcasing the much-improved golf game and who knows, you may <laughs> be able to give me a few tips and pointers along the way. I'm always looking for help any which way I can. On the green, don't worry, I got you. But, you know, like from the long game, you notice something, I'm always eyes and ears, you know? 
I'll, I'll tell you what, JD. I'll be able to tell you what not to do. That, that's, that's, uh, I like the sound of that. Me, See, that's like me, Connor. Me, in a nutshell. Exactly that's me in a nutshell. What not to do on the course. You watch me, you know exactly what not to do. You're set. Connor, appreciate it, man. Stay safe. Enjoyed it. We'll chat soon, all right? Yeah, talk to you later, JD. There you have it. That's a great Connor Hughes over at The Athletic. Good stuff. Jet related. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.